So welcome everyone to another episode of Podium Stories. Today we have a very special guest in the building. I copied the intro from the Breakfast Club because I could, but his name is Victor. He's been building various businesses for over 20 years. He's the co-founder at Ditto and chairperson at Samastic Group. Actually, a former guest of the podcast uh, introduced us, which I think that's really awesome to see. That was Darren. Um, so I'm very excited about this conversation today. Uh, Victor, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Man. That's awesome, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, we just, uh, they just started. I'm hearing some music in the background. Are you picking that up on your end? It's fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll edit okay. that. The Perfect. Time. Awesome. Sorry, man. You're good. Uh, so I want to start asking you about, you've been running a business for much longer than I have, really, for even as long as I've been alive. Um, and for me, when, when COVID started, it was my first downturn that I was not expecting, right? I, I, nobody was, but it was the first time that uh, there was something in business while I was running a company that could affect from a global perspective. So I was wondering, you've been through different economic downturns over the years, um, obviously, you had no preparation for COVID, but how did you approach it, um, knowing what you have known from before, the, the, the last crisis that we were in? Uh, what were the lessons that helped you uh, approach COVID when, uh, when that happened? I, I think where a lot of people saw shock and awe, I was just like, oh, this again, right? So whereas people were going through it the first time, I weathered the storm in, in 2001 after the towers um, you know, that's kind of when I first started my first business. It was actually three months after the 2001 cool. um, attacks in New York City, right? So that was the first one. And then you weathered the, uh, the financial storm of 2009, right? 2008, 2009 and the stock market crash. And then again with COVID. And, and really what I saw that was different this time was it being my third time. You know, they say third time's the charm. I really just looked for opportunities of businesses that... Uh, would kind of, you know, hit that hockey stick that they talk about in COVID, right? And there's tons of businesses that are seeing a lot of success in COVID. And it just so happens that um, Media Crate, which is one of the companies uh, that I'm involved with, that is a client of where I'm at today. Uh, and then Ditto, which is, uh, you know, systems and operations and helping your business grow, management consulting, uh, workflow management, uh, that type of stuff, right? So very in-demand and on-trend with what's happening in the world today. We were talking about the crisis and how you, like, overcame it. Um, and I was saying, I think that's the part where we, like, got cut. That I have a friend who, who runs a business as well who was telling me, the first crisis fucks you up. The second crisis, you kind of, like, overcome it and run through it and, and come out like you were. And the third crisis is the one that, like, it actually gives you opportunities that you didn't have at the beginning so we, well fing fingers crossed right? <laughs> that, fingers crossed that's going to be the case so, so uh, you know interesting to see how, how that plays out uh, but how is COVID how has COVID affected and I don't know what the format is but how has COVID affected your business the format is this is like Forbes with passwords so you can it, it's free game so like you okay, can okay yeah I mean yeah. okay perfect for us, it's been, I think it's been great for, yeah. and it sucks because you have that dilemma of like, you don't want to benefit from something that's really hurt so many people. Um, but from a business standpoint, you know, um, people have seen that they don't want to, they don't have budget 
to go into networking events or conferences and that their online content is more important now than ever. Uh, so they have to build their brand and that's where we like come in and do, do our thing. Um, so for us, we've had super high growth over the last six months, uh, which is great, but you know, it's not the ideal situation, but we'll take it. Hey, listen, sometimes a rising tide raises all ships, right? right. So, I mean, in this instance, there are some businesses like uh, you mentioned in the on onset, you know, I've, I, I own multiple businesses and unfortunately one of the agencies that I've owned since 2007 had to close during COVID. And, you know, it's, it's something that produced a great revenue stream for my family for a long time. And, you know, it's, it's one chapter closing and another one opening. Right. I think a lot of people get tied to uh, one thing versus looking at where the opportunities lie, looking at where their skill sets lie and looking at where they can add great value to the marketplace where people would be willing to pay. Um, and that's really where the opportunities are uh, in times like this. I love that. So Victor, walk me back to when you started as an entrepreneur, because it seems to me that you don't have the typical story that, you know, the typical white man in business has, you know, with, with their parents giving them free shit and all that. Uh, so I was wondering if you could share, I'm feel free to share as much or as little as you feel comfortable with. For sure. But tell me a bit more like your upbringing and how it got started in, in business, right? Like how did you actually play that in? Absolutely. And you know, it's funny. Uh, I could tell you a long version. I could tell you a short version. The, the long version, uh, we'll say for another day, but the Coles notes is this. Uh, you know, I'm an immigrant to Canada. Uh, my parents moved here when I was just about one years old. We were very close to being turned back because there was mixed stories between my mom and my dad and me and, and coming in as refugees. Um, and, and when I say me, like I was just this little kid in their hands crying that was making it annoying for everyone to have conversation. And the story goes that luckily the customs and border agent had a soft spot for me being a child and said, you guys just come. We need you guys to leave in whatever time. And I think they, uh, at the time there was a lot of war happening or, or a lot of stuff happening in the country that I come from. And uh, we were able to get um, some permanent residency and, and really be here. And the whole reason my parents left the country they were in was to give me a better life. Uh, their path for success for me was really uh, go to school, get a good education, get a good job. That's what Canada has to offer. That's really what North America has to offer for, for a lot of immigrants. Uh, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as a land of opportunity, uh, a place where I could uh, grow an entrepreneurial venture and be able to create success. And that's really what I did. Uh, was take advantage of that at a very early age and made sure that that's always top of mind that my parents didn't leave everything behind to come to a country for no reason. They came here for a reason and, and, and for me to do nothing but create success would be a disservice to them and the sacrifice that they made. Absolutely, because um, we hear a lot of bad things about America, right? And, and, as, and North America as a whole. But yep. I think it's gives the opportunity especially for people who have seen or experienced or come from other countries of like you know there's plenty of opportunity here right like there's nothing like it uh and for myself you know coming from spain i never met an entrepreneur until i was 21 and it was wow. never and it was a girl from la living in barcelona who became my ex-girlfriend like that was the first entrepreneur i ever met and i was like oh shit I can do this, you know, like it's actually a thing. And that's two years ago. Just two years ago, yeah. 
So I, saw that, I was like, oh, like it's actually a thing. Because in my mind, I wanted to do it, but I never yeah. see, you don't see anybody. It's really hard to, to actually think it's possible. It's like the four minute mile, right? Until 100%. one percent. The rest. Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister. You got yeah. it, man. And, and you know what's super cool is the fact that you were 21. You saw this. And in two years, you took advantage to build a great agency that's experiencing tremendous growth in the last six months. To me, that's what success is. Is you see an opportunity, you see something you want, and you're not waiting on it. You're not thinking about it. You're not wondering, maybe one day I'll do it. You took advantage of it. You took life by the horns. And you went out and made something great happen. And for me, that's all success is. It's, it's work ethic and patience. Exactly. Those two things. And patience is hard. Let's talk about patience because patience is hard. It is. Especially for uh, people who are competitive and who like, like you and I, like, who want things to happen like right away and, and we're confident in what we can do. Patience is probably one of the elements I found personally to be the hardest to deal with as an entrepreneur. Is that something that like you've actually been able to manage well or, or something you struggle with? I struggle with. I, it's a daily challenge, um, to be honest with you. But at the end of the day, when you want something bad enough, you just go after it. Sure. Right, right. right? You just, you just got to go after it. And how, how did patience, because I think patience now for you, it's probably easier to understand. But how did patience at the beginning hurt you? Because... I, I didn't have patience. I, sometimes, sometimes I, I, I don't have patience and that's why I'll work extra hard to right. move something because at the end of the day, as long as I know I'm leaving everything on the field every single day, 110%, that's when I know patience. But if I know I only gave 80% that day, it, that's when it's hard to be patient because I know I, I, I expected better for myself, right? Um, and then you get, in that you get into work-life balance, which is a whole other ball game, right? Like, the one thing that people really, I think, needs to, to recognize, because I've been, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, I'm excited that this being my first one. And, you know, you inspired me with the reason you started this podcast to maybe even start a podcast of my own. Because I remember being 20-something-year-old you. Right. And now I'm 37-year-old me. So I'm not very old, but I'm older. Right? I started my journey at a very young age. I was 18 years old. And the one thing that I can say is this, when I talk about success, there's no one thing. There's no five things. It's a perfect combination of luck, skill, hard work, right place, right time. There's so many variables that create the success that you have. The only thing in your control is your work ethic. Right. And how much do you think about that work ethic comes from being an immigrant? Because I think for me, it's a big part. It, 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 it brings a chip on my shoulder to be like, I have an accent, but I'm going to beat you. I don't care. You know? Absolutely. Uh, it, 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 it actually makes me strive to be better. Right. Right? Because my business partner, Marquis, who you will meet, his father, who is very successful you know, in the corporate world, uh, had to work very hard to get there. And he always said to his son, you'll have to work twice as hard, right? right? To get the exact same thing that your counterparts will receive. And, and it's one of those things where I didn't, my parents never told me about, but their work ethic showed me that. So I was modeling the work ethic because when you come here with $75 in your pocket, 
and you try to look for a way to put food on the table for your kid. And then you have another kid on the way and you try to get a home and you try to create a life and you do this and you do that. I, I don't think people will ever understand what that's like to show up with a suitcase and 75 bucks in your pocket. I, I, it was not even my situation. So I, I don't think I fully get that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, and, it's, and, and, and I personally don't either because remember I was a kid. Right. 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 I wasn't responsible. Was when I think about that and I think about that sacrifice, I said, if they could do that and fly halfway around the world to somewhere they don't even know, to somewhere that they may not even speak the language properly, they were called a lot of uh, racial slurs and names and, you know, all of that stuff to kind of create a life for their child. Like I, I said, I would, I, 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 would, I would be spitting on, on, on that sacrifice by not putting 110% on the table every single day. Yeah, for me, it was my mom who, I, I love my dad and, and he, he's around, he, he's, they're just not together and yep. a few hours away. But like I saw my mom work every day as a teacher for 1900 bucks a month, which she still makes right now, right? For me, it was crazy to make more money than her at 22 and, and you know, like, and, and seeing how hard she worked. And, and I'm only able to do that because of what she did. So it's all because of her. Uh, but for me, I Sometimes it's the mindset of if she did all that for me, I can work nine hours a day with a laptop listening to Jay-Z and with AC, you know, and doing something that I love. And, and wearing what you want and talking yeah. the way you want and just being authentically you and creating a revenue stream that makes sense for you and your family as well as gives value to your clients for what they pay you. They're very happy, right? I can do that if she did what she did. But I, I want to ask you, because we've talked about it before, right? You've been running multiple businesses. You have different ventures that you're involved with. Um, and something that I was curious about is when you approach about starting a new business venture or starting a new business, do you look for, like, what's your approach in terms of, like, not making it super involved with yourself? So do you look for a co-founder that can run it? Do you look for building a team and then stepping away? What's your process or, or what's been your process in the business that you run with to make sure that it's not relying on yourself and, and just yourself only? Absolutely. So the, the first thing that I do is I look for an industry that has high growth potential or potential for uh, in the last few years, monthly recurring revenue, right? Because that's become super, super important. You do the work once, you ensure that you limit churn, you provide great service and value to your clients, and then you just keep building on top of your income and revenue. So that's the first thing I've been looking for recently. Uh, second thing I look for is, is if there is a co-founder situation that that co-founder adds a, uh, a skill set, uh, um, they add a, a complementary personality mm -hmm. and that they are willing to, I, I really listen more to who the person is and what their driving force is. Cause I realized that in entrepreneurship, as you probably know, there's a lot of late nights, early mornings, yeah. um, you know, at times, right. It's not always sunshine and rainbows and, and, and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all the stuff that people show you, like there's actually work involved. So I look for someone who's willing to put in that work, roll up their sleeves, get dirty, and then create an infrastructure, create systems and processes within the business that allow you to step away from that business and have it operate without you. Because if you step away and the business falls apart, all you've really created is a job. Right. Yeah. Right. But go ahead, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, so when I'm looking at a business, I'm looking for high growth uh, market, you know, some sort of monthly recurring revenue. Uh, if there is a co-founder, some sort of a, um, you know, work ethic as well as reason why they want to do it. And then lastly is in that business as quickly as possible, not waiting for things to get out ahead, not waiting for the tree to grow up and then to the right and then try to fix it at that point, but really start building a strong foundation based on the experience and expertise that I've developed over the last 20 years to create that infrastructure for sustainable and profitable growth. And I want to talk about that infrastructure, but before we get into it, something else that I want to ask you was, when you step away from that business, how do you make sure that the culture of the business is still positive and reinforces your values when you might not be so personally involved as other entrepreneurs, right? For myself, I'm there every day. If you're not there every day, how do you make sure that the culture is right and that the business is going in the right direction? Do you let it on the other co-founder or do you let the team that you hire uh, play by, by themselves? It, it really depends. So I'm not a... Um, I, I would say that I'm not a absent co-founder, but I, I'm not a in-the-weeds co-founder either, right? right? And, and it really becomes uh, just understand when it comes to culture culture is a funny thing right because culture shift but the culture becomes in my opinion and, and this is not possible right everyone has their own opinion but in my opinion when it comes to culture is there is a um there's a feeling right. there's an emotion around the thing that you're doing and the people that work there and we're all working to accomplish something and the big thing for me is when people work with me, I try to tr try to understand two things. The first thing I try to understand is why are they here? Like, why do you want to be here? Because once I know why you want to be here, I can tell you what, real, real quick whether or not I can actually benefit you or not. The second thing is, is what's important to you? Why, why, why are you working at all? Because when I understand why you're doing a thing, then I can tell you whether the why you're doing the thing is the why we're doing the thing. And if we align, then culture is already created because there's a symbiotic and a reciprocal relationship that we create immediately. And then it's just a rapport building, right? It's about making sure that people are having fun, engaged, happy, well compensated. If people are upset, there's ways to talk about that. And that goes into infrastructure, but that all helps with culture building because there's a constant loop in communication to ensure that everyone is happy, working towards the same goals, have all the tools that they need to be successful in their role. And even in the last few weeks, we've been implementing some culture shifts in MediaCrate and everyone is starting to feel it. And it's really just about having dialogue, connecting with your people, understanding your people, and then driving the morals and the values that you think are important for your company. That's awesome, I love that. Uh, we were talking about uh, Ditto before when we were mentioning infrastructure. Um, Ditto, if you're listening, uh, it's one of the businesses that Victor's involved with. You know, they help businesses build work management systems so they can scale. Um, and I want to ask you about why did you decide to jump in this opportunity and how often do you see businesses failing to scale uh, because their SOPs and their systems are not in place? Because I do think there's a big opportunity here. And I was just wondering, what was your rationale at that time you were like, I think we can solve this. Let's jump into it. 100%. So I can tell you right now, um, Ditto was something that Marquis had 
started a journey about two years ago on thinking about what this could look like. And so Marquis and I have been friends for about almost 15 years, 13, anywhere between 13 and 15 years. And, you know, I was a, um, I guess you could say a confidant when it came to uh, him making business decisions. And he would always offer to pay me my consulting rate and I would always refuse and, and let him know that either, uh, you know, cheap sushi or, or Starbucks coffee was fine with me, right? So when he first brought Ditto to me, I said, you have something here, but you need to refine the process. And it wasn't until COVID happened that um, I literally said I could not watch any more Netflix because, you know, both of my businesses were shut. One of them was in the beauty space, yeah. which all salons and spas across the world pretty much, but most of our businesses in North America were closed as well as um, the agency because marketing budgets got cut, right? I'm sure you saw that. A lot of people saw that in the agency world. And we had a conversation saying, okay, I can't watch any more Netflix. I'm going to come work for you for free. I made the same offer to another friend of mine. And after working with Marquis and his team, I realized that Marquis had taken a lot of the information that I had provided him over the years and really implemented it and went above and beyond because he's very technical He's very operationally minded and really fine tuned things. And I said, I think we have something here. And we spent some time reaching out to folks. And that's actually how we met Darren Mm. was just on a LinkedIn. Like we ran a LinkedIn campaign and we had, I think it was a 46% success rate. Wow. Right. With agency owners. And it, it really helped us to fine tune the offering. And, uh, and then we really just went at it because we understood, going back to the original question, we understood that the reason most businesses fail is because of lack of infrastructure. Right. Because as you grow, the cracks become bigger. And then they sometimes take over. And you start to lose brand reputation, you start to lose clients, you start to lose air. <laughs> so let's just say that I've been through that in my 20 year journey. And I realize now more than ever, if you're going to scale a business profitably and quickly systems and infrastructure are going to be your best friend because what's going to happen is it's going to allow you to automate and systematize growth because you're going to know how to go and approach that as well as when the growth happens, as you're bringing on new clients, how you will take them through the onboarding process, how you're going to do handoffs, how you're going to deliver, all of that fun stuff. But some people, they don't know. Right. They're just, they're just winging it, right? Whereas if you looked at our sauna, which you will see when Marquis walks you through that tomorrow, because I know you guys are meeting, yeah. you'll see how automated and systematized our entire process is, which is pretty amazing. And that's what Ditto does. Ditto works with businesses uh, to work through workflow automation powered by Asana. And just so everyone knows and, and for yourself, like there's only, Asana just went public, but there's only 200-ish pros in the world. Right. So if you think about 7 billion people, there's 200 of them who are certified pro by Asana and Marquis happens to be one of them. I think what you guys are doing there is super interesting. That's why I'm excited to have the, the talk tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, and it kind of leads me to like, you've been able to create this life or this work life at least where you kind of have designed it yourself, right? Like you've been able to say, I'm going to pick and choose my spots of where I want to 
around businesses who I want to partner with. Uh, and like you were saying, when we were trying to schedule the podcast, I have a lot of guests who might not follow their own, but they're like super busy, right? Like, so they're yeah. like, I can meet 30 minutes in February, 2021. And you were like, dude, just pick a spot. I have time over the week. Um, I'm excited to do it, right? So my question for you was, knowing that so many entrepreneurs are heads down in their business and they can barely come out and breathe, what advice would you give to them um, in order for them to fire themselves of things and being able to, to be replaceable so they can pull back and, and make better decisions, invest less time into work and, and do it more carefully minded, right? Like doing where it's really actually needed from them uh, versus actually having to be on, on the weeds all the time. Because I'm one of them right now, for example. I'm, I'm yeah, no, and, and you know, it's, it's crazy right? because I got to be honest with you, man. Um, so in my previous businesses, I never really worked with fellow agency owners. Um, you know, a lot of my clients were, were either Fortune 500 or like companies going public in the tech space and, and oil and gas. So, you know, a lot of the people that are dealing with are EVPs, uh, CEOs. Um, so usually C-suite or executive, right? So uh, this is my first time talking to B2B, like legitimate, like business owners. And I'm actually confused by this too, because I don't know the answer. I, I've, I've had so many meetings canceled by people saying something came up. Right. And I'm like, my calendar is super, super light. And I really focus on the things that move the business and I'm there to support our team if anyone needs me. And it's really about, you know, that's my goal in the company or my, my job in the company is to support our people. And when I say my people, I'm talking about our operations managers, our, you know, the people that are sort of higher level that support the rest of the team, right? And so that requires very little interaction because most people, if you hire right, know what they're doing. If you have the right systems and processes, they know what they're doing, right? So that's where I'm a little bit confused. And I think that Ditto is going to bring a lot of value to the marketplace. And then really getting a chance to have more of these one-on-one -on -one conversations. I know we're having this for the podcast, but sort of sidelining that and saying, hey man, like what's going on? How can we help? You know, I had a meeting with someone the other day um, who's the COO of, the, uh, of a very large agency. And we had them take, uh, we created an assessment. So if you go to the Ditto website, thinkditto.com, there's an operational efficiency assessment that Marquis and I created. Um, and it really gives you a score on where you're spending um, a lot of your time and where we think you could be improving. And I highly recommend anyone taking that. But I think when we start looking at more of those assessments, having more of these conversations, Let's circle back because I'd like to get an answer to that because sure. it's one of those things that me, myself, I've never had a challenge with. So that's why I can't understand yeah. the challenge, right? And that's something that's really important as you listen to other people. And maybe we can end with this is that everyone has a different perspective to life. And that is based on the lens that they are looking at life through. Just like you mentioned earlier, I'm going to be the immigrant who sees things through a different lens versus the guy whose parents gave him everything. Right. Right. So I'm looking at it through that lens as an entrepreneur. I've had some tough challenges. Yes. But I've never been so busy where I can't see someone till 2021. 
<laughs> like that, that is just, if your calendar is booked three months in advance, maybe you're making way more money than me. But the question is, are you happy? Right. Right. And, and the thing I can tell you right now is yesterday, I took my daughter to the pumpkin patch. I had two awesome meetings in the morning and that was my day. And Jeff Bezos, I think, said it best. He said, executives are not paid for what they do every day. They make a few quality decisions that move the business forward in a meaningful way. And that's what my goal has always been with the companies that I'm involved with, is to make meaningful decisions that move the company forward. And I think that if every entrepreneur was to put that on their radar, to say, what am I doing today to move the business not only for today, but six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, then you have a roadmap or a plan to get yourself out of the weeds and into the lifestyle that you envisioned when you first started the company. Exactly. I love that. And this is probably a good way to end this because I want to be very respectful of your time. Uh, we can do part two sometime soon because I think there's a lot for us to talk about. Uh, Absolutely. But I really appreciate your time, brother. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was great. And like I said, if there's anything I can do to help you succeed, you've got my contact information. Reach out to me personally. I'm a resource, man, because any kid that's 23 years old that's out there grinding to build their own business, I will make time for it. Because at the end of the day, that I've been there, I've done it. I know it's not easy. I know there's friends who probably think you're crazy. I think the, I'm sure there's family members who think you're crazy. Why don't you just go get a great job? But my friend, I'll tell you, if you just keep at it, patience, persistence, and consistency, and you will succeed. Have the right people in your corner because your net worth is equaled by your network. Thank you, Bigger. Uh, All right. Episode. My pleasure. Right, man. Thank so, you. Hello. Thank you so much. Bro. Awesome, man. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Take Ciao. Care.